0: How's it going, everyone? You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Go ahead and take a seat. It's good to see you guys. Oh. Welcome. Welcome. Um, How's it going? My name's Kyle. I'm one of the staff here at H2O. Um, So, we we are in the middle of this series called Excel Still More. Um, Grant taught through the first couple sermons of that. He actually has been teaching most of this semester. So, uh, you're kind of stuck for this week and next week with me. Uh, And then, Grant is going to come and close out um, this series for the last Sunday of the spring semester. So, before I, <laughs> before I move on even from that, um, can we just acknowledge and thank Grant for how well he's preached this semester and this year? Um, he has faithfully taught from God's word this whole year, um, and uh, yeah, I know he works really hard on that. He cares a lot about all of you. He cares a lot about the people. On this campus, um, I think sometimes we take men like him for granted, um, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thankful to serve under him. And actually, he um, doesn't know that I'm going to do this, but I would love for him to come down, um, and even the staff to come down, because we want to pray for him. Um, he's, uh, he's been doing a lot. He works really, really hard. Um, he's an amazing guy, and we even have a gift for him just to show appreciation. Um, so, yeah, amazing guy. Um, yeah, let us pray for you. (laughs) Um, God, um, thank you so much for this man. Thank you for how you've worked in him this year. Um, God, how you have raised him up to be our pastor um, Lord, we thank you for how you've worked in him. We thank you that your spirit has indwelt him and even um, that he's been supported here. God, I pray that you continue to work through him. Um, God, that you would continue to uh, lead him as he shepherds our church well. God, uh, fill him with your spirit. Um, Lord, we thank you for him. We pray that you bless him. And uh, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. <laughs> so. We got him this uh, canvas of great American ballpark because he really loves the Reds. So yeah, for all you Cleveland fans, uh, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, I'm sure that he would love it as well if you guys would even just share like how God has used him in your life uh, this year. Um, And even more than that, I would just encourage you guys to pray for him. Um, He's shepherding our church. Uh, He's a man that I think probably doesn't receive a lot of encouragement in that way and a lot of things that he does go unthanked. So we took a little uh, detour there, but like I said, we're, we're in First Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to be in First Thessalonians 3 today. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to have it up on the screen for a bit, um, but I may be kind of referencing it throughout. So it may be beneficial for you guys to open it up yourselves. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 3. Verses 5 through 13. Um, So it says this That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. But now, Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. May God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Let's pray before we dive in. Um, God, thank you. Thank you that we can gather here uh, in safety. God, I just um, heard on the news that there uh, was a bombing um, in Egypt um, where people were gathering for church for Palm Sunday. Um, God, thank you that we can gather here uh, safely. Lord, I pray that um, you'd speak to us today. I pray that you'd speak um, through me today. God, that my words would be your words. And um, Lord, we pray uh, all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, for context, in this passage, uh, we see Paul was worried about the Thessalonians. Uh, Grant talked about how this church was planted um, and, and how little time the apostles got to spend with the Thessalonians. Uh, we see that in Acts, I believe it was Acts 17. Um, and so Paul was worried that uh, the tempter had gotten a hold of them. That's what it says in verse 5. And as a result, Paul sends Timothy to check on this church, uh, to see what's going on and to see if their faith was as strong as when the apostles left. Um, Paul uh, was kind of hoping that they would still be strong in the Lord uh, and even hoping that he would be encouraged by them. Um, We see from elsewhere in Scripture that this isn't an uncommon practice for Paul to send um, somebody to another church to see how they're getting along. Uh, We see in Philippians uh, 2.19 that he hoped to send Timothy to the church in Philippi uh, in hopes that he uh, could cheer Paul up. Um, could cheer Paul up by telling him how well the church was doing. And so this is probably somewhat of a common practice for Paul. And Timothy comes back and gives this good report of what had been happening uh, at the church in Thessalonica, and Paul is very encouraged. He talks about how he thanks God for this church. How, um, he's very encouraged that they're still strong in the Lord. He even says um, that he's been greatly encouraged by them in the midst of his troubles and sufferings. And so There are uh, a few people in this story that I want to kind of own in on today uh, that we can talk about and maybe relate to, Um, and the first is Paul. Um, So (laughs) there's a ton that we could talk about with regards to Paul, but we're actually just going to talk about what we see here. In this passage, um, to give you an idea of where he's coming from, like I said, Grant talked about him in week one and how Paul and Silas were preaching in Thessalonica and they were ran out of the city by Jews that were kind of angry and jealous uh, and that sort of thing. And so uh, Paul and Silas, they went away to Berea, which is like 45 miles away, and the Jews were so mad uh, that they followed them there to kind of chase them out of there as well. Uh, And so we know... Uh, that Paul has received a lot of persecution. Uh, we know from other scriptures that uh, he's been in prison for his preaching of the gospel. Um, we know that he had been beaten for his preaching of the gospel. Um, we know that uh, he suffered a lot, so much um, that he considered himself to have shared in the sufferings of Christ, the man who was crucified on a cross. And so in the midst of this suffering, he sends Timothy to report uh, to him about this church in Thessalonica, and what we see is that, in a sense, Paul needed some encouragement, okay? Um, things have been pretty really tough for him. Um, like I just said, there's there's a lot of physical persecution. Um, probably he, he could have been very discouraged as well, um, just from those who uh, maybe express a faith in Jesus um, and then sort of walk away from that because the tempter had gotten a hold of him, as it says in verse 5. Right. Um, I don't know this for certain, but Paul writes this in such a way that leads me to believe he's experienced that before. That leads me to believe he's experienced people walking away from Jesus because of how the tempter had gotten the best of them. And um, frankly, <coughs> if you've been involved in ministry for any extended period of time, uh, you've probably experienced that too. Um, I became a Christian probably uh, almost seven years ago now. I've been involved in ministry almost the entire time um, of that. And, and I wish I could say that it was uncommon for people to turn away from Jesus uh, and turn toward the things of the world. I have uh, I've prayed with people to receive Christ that I know aren't following the Lord right now. Um, I've baptized people who seem to profess what was a genuine faith and they're not following the Lord right now. Um, I could tell story after story of individuals like this, um, and I think kind of what we see there is sort of like Jesus says, uh, the path is narrow. And so we're going to read in um, Matthew 13 uh, really quickly. I think this sheds some light on this. This is the parable of the soils. You can turn there if you'd like. Uh, It's going to be on the screen as well. (laughs) So if you're not familiar uh, with the parable of the soils, this is Uh, the parable that Jesus tells where um, there is a farmer that scatters seed um, all over these different kinds of soils. And the seed represents the message uh, about the kingdom of God, the the gospel. And all the different kinds of soils are these different people um, that receive that differently. And so um, it's kind of a long passage. We're actually just going to read the part uh, where Jesus explains what each of these soils mean. Um, And so we're going to be in Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. Um, It says this, (laughs) Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out uh, by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Um, Every time I see someone start to be changed by God or what seems to be God working in someone's life, I hope and pray that they are the seed that's planted in fertile, good soil that bears a lot of fruit, right? But uh, that is not what always happens, I I feel like Paul has probably experienced this before, which is why he was so worried about that with the Thessalonians. Um, You know, that they'd been carried away by the worries of the world and by the things of the world, and as such are not pursuing Jesus anymore. And so he sends Timothy uh, to see how they're getting along, and instead, uh, Paul is actually deeply encouraged by the Thessalonians. Um, You see that throughout this whole letter, not just in this chapter. Um, he says that it gives him new life to know that they're firmly rooted in the Lord, uh, and we're going to talk about that even a little bit later. So, what can we learn from Paul? Um, well, we see that Paul is a man deeply affected by God. Uh, he's a man that seeks so hard after God's kingdom um, that he's bound to be met with uh, hardship and persecution uh, and trial. And he does this so much that he needs the encouragement of the church. He needs the encouragement of what God is doing in the lives of other people. Uh, He knows, he needs to know why he should keep going, why he should keep pursuing God with that kind of intensity. Um, And so when I became a believer um, some seven years ago, uh, it didn't take long for um, me to have a heart for people, for God to give me that heart for other people, uh, believers and non-believers, um, I just began to love people a lot more, um, and so shortly after I got saved, I came, um, back to UC. I was, it was over the summer that I became a believer. Came back to UC and got involved in H2O. It was a lot, uh, smaller at that point, and, um, and I wanted to start this uh, Bible study with some men. I, I wanted I to gather some men together and study God's word. Um, it started off small. There was about three of us. It grew to be about 10 guys or so. Uh, and they'd come up to my apartment and study the Bible uh, together And it was always super hot in my apartment because the AC didn't work uh, and because I had baked cookies for them beforehand and the oven was hot. Uh, And so we just sweat and study the scriptures together. Um, It was great. And um, since then, there is... One guy uh, from that group of people that's still involved in our church, um, which isn't necessarily you know a bad thing, um, some of them still follow Jesus where, wherever they are, all over the country. Um, others of them I'm not real sure about. And, and even one of them uh, who I baptized, uh, I'm certain doesn't know the Lord or isn't following the Lord right now. The next year, I started a, a new life group and had about 10 or so men. Again, a couple of them I know are following Jesus. Um, others I'm not sure about and um, more than a few that I know aren't following the Lord. The year after that, I moved into the dorms as a senior in college um, to try and reach out to young freshmen um, to share the gospel with them. Uh, Some of them would come to my life group. Others uh, I reached out to would not. Even among the ones that profess to be Christian uh, and seem to be at least trying to make God a priority, um, there's only one uh, whose faith I feel confident about. And so maybe you're sensing a trend here. uh, And that may sound like really discouraging or something like that. Um, But actually, something that encouraged me to press on were the stories of success, right? Like the the, the few that um, their lives are being changed. The people that would cross from death into life. I needed this reminder that it's worth the risk to bother with trying to share Jesus with others. I needed the reminder um, that God is moving, that He's speaking into the lives of others, and so what we see is this this beautiful balance um, that God has given us, where we're we're called to pursue Him intensely, and, and uh, that is going to come with hardship right, that's going to come with uh, difficult times, uh, maybe persecution, maybe not the same as in Egypt, but uh, persecution nonetheless. But he's also given us his church to encourage us and to lift us us up and to uh, encourage us to continue to pursue Jesus um, with a great intensity. Um, Are you somebody who desires or even needs encouragement from God's church? I ask that because if you're not, is it possible that you're living too comfortably? Is it possible that um, you're living kind of out of your own strength and you're you're living in a very comfortable way? Is it possible that being involved in H2O is is purely convenience and friendship uh, and not a refuge? Let this be a litmus test for us Paul poured himself out so much for the sake of the kingdom that he needed to be reminded by God's children that it's worth it. He needed to hear about the seed uh, that would produce a crop of 30, 60, and 100 times as much because he had plenty of seeds that would get choked out by the worry of the world and by, uh, by, by planted on rocky soil and didn't grow up because um, they were not deep roots. Are we in that spot? Are we in a spot where we're pursuing Jesus with that kind of intensity? Or are there areas in our lives that maybe we're not willing to surrender? Um, the second person I'd like to own in on, or uh, I guess persons in this case, is the community in Thessalonica. Um, and so, in the midst of this suffering, you found great encouragement from that community. Um, If you've been around H2O for any amount of time, you've probably heard, um, like, the number one positive thing that people say about our church is the community, right? That we're a a group of people that want to live life together, not just show up to church on Sundays together, um, right? And so we're knocking this one out of the park. Um, We can probably skip this point. Um, We're not going to skip this point. Um... (laughs) But for real, this community has been uh, greatly encouraging for me. I know th- there are people here that have sacrificed a great deal to remain a part of H2O um, in, in, in the form of uh, money or career or anything like that. Um, and, and that's because of how greatly this affects their walk with Jesus. Um, so I want to give kind of a quick illustration. Um, in First Corinthians 9, Paul talks about how our lives, our walks with the Lord, um, are like a race. Um, he says, run the race in such a way that you may win. Okay? Um, and this race is long. Um, it's more like a marathon than it is a sprint. Um, I can see there are people in this room that probably know that by now. Um, and I've never ran a marathon, um, but the word on the street is they're kind of difficult. <laughs> um, my dad runs them all the time, uh, he's a boss. He's actually running a half marathon this morning. Go, Dad. Um, Me, not so much. (laughs) Um, And so as best as you can, imagine running a marathon, a really long race. Uh, For me, I get really gassed at like mile two. Um, So not a good start. Kind of sounds miserable already. But my dad tells me there are a lot of things working against you when you're running a marathon, right? Your body um, goes into this self-preservation mode. Um, and starts to mimic pains in areas that actually aren't hurt because it wants you to stop. And, and most runners, especially when they're first starting uh, to run a marathon, will hit something uh, called the wall. Um, your muscles only store so much fuel in them, and so if you're not like consuming uh, calories or enough calories while you're running, your body will lizard- literally start to physically shut down. Um, And and so it does that to try and protect itself. Um, Usually that's around like mile 16 or so. If you're wondering how I know so much about marathons, it's because my dad is a marathon runner. And so imagine you're running this marathon, but along the sidelines you have um, the church. And when I say that, I mean the big C church, not just like H2O, but maybe even your parents' church, maybe um, other believers um, here at UC Um, or elsewhere, right? Uh, And and so, while you're running, they're cheering you on. Uh, They might run up alongside you and and, and encourage you to keep going. Uh, They might give you, like, um, some uh, energy in the form of, like, a cliff bar or something. Um, Runners probably don't eat cliff bars. I don't know. But um, they would give you something, right, to eat to keep you going. You get the point. And these people help you over and over uh, so that you won't hit the wall, and so that you'll finish the race. Okay? Um, now, imagine the same scenario. You're running a marathon, except instead of having the church on the sidelines um, cheering you on, uh, you're running in the woods by yourself. And it's just you. And you're all alone. And uh, your body starts to ache. And you start to want to quit. And, and you don't have the fuel to continue um, this is what it's like when people try to follow Jesus by themselves. Okay? This is what it's like when people try to follow Jesus without the involvement of the church. God has given us each other as a support system. We're not intended to do this on our own. And if you're in the boat where you feel like, all I need is God, um, I just if I can remind you uh, As Christians, we have God in us. If you've become a Christian, God has indwelt you with his Holy Spirit, and so God uses us to uh, speak into the lives of others. Community is a vital discipline of the Christian life. Um, The same way reading the Bible is, the same way prayer is, a vital discipline. Um, if someone were struggling and they said, yeah, I uh, haven't read my Bible in a month, you'd probably find them foolish. The same is true with community. Being involved in community is the same kind of discipline, and you can, you can try to pretend like it's you and God against the world, but I think that God would disagree. Um, and so if I can take Uh, A brief aside. This is why we would advise people who are going to graduate to find a community wherever they're going um, before they commit to a job. Um, We realize, like, hey, not everybody's going to stick around H2O. Um, Some people are going to go elsewhere, uh, and that's fine. We hope that you consider that as an option, H2O City. There's uh, a meeting tonight about that, but Um, regardless, we think it's really foolish to just take a job blindly somewhere, uh, not knowing whether or not you're going to have a community to support you and to help you to thrive in your walk with Jesus. That's the kind of importance we should place on community. I know um, for me this year, I've been unusually blessed by our community. Um, I don't know, I, I... been running the race for a little while, but um, sometimes I'm just really tired and weary. And I don't even mean like in a physical sense, although that's probably true too, um, just because I don't have a high capacity for people. But um, I, am, I am tired spiritually. I'm tired of spending myself and seeing people turn from Jesus. Uh, and when Paul says in verse 8 that it gives him new life, to know that they're standing firm in the Lord, I can relate. I can relate because uh, when I see people catch fire for Jesus and um, really dedicate every ounce of their life to Jesus, uh, it gives me new life. It renews my spirits because um, it reminds me that it's worth it. It reminds me to keep running and keep pursuing Jesus and keep advancing his kingdom because there are people that are crossing from death into life. My gosh. When I hear stories like that, that's like spring water in a desert for me. I'm like, oh gosh, yes. Like, I'm not a fool. (laughs) This makes sense. So, the community, the beautiful thing is that we can learn from both sides of this. So, are you struggling? Uh, You can lean in. You know, tell somebody, tell somebody in this church community right, engage, ask for encouragement, ask for prayer. And even if you're struggling, like, are you close enough to the community to even receive encouragement? I think that that's a big issue for some people. On the other hand, like, are you thriving? Don't stop and share that with other people. Don't keep that to yourself. People need to be reminded that God is alive and active in the lives of his church. Don't assume that nobody wants to hear it. Um, You external processors, kill it with this. (laughs) I appreciate you. Um, You internal processors, um, man, don't withhold God's blessings from his people, from his church. Um, The very last thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is brief, um, the last person um, that we can maybe relate to is the one that the tempter got a hold of. Verse five, again, uh, Paul was worried that the tempter had gotten a hold of the Thessalonian church and that his work had been made useless. And uh, I realize that there may be someone in here that feels like uh, they've let the tempter get the best of them, right? That maybe you've let your lusts and passions get the best of you and you've let those things be your God. And that can be good things. That doesn't have to be Um, drinking and sex before marriage and drugs and, you know, whatever. That can be romantic relationships. That can be your career. Things that you've let get the best of you. And that's destroyed your relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're just in a spot where you've never had a relationship with Jesus to begin with. Um, Maybe you've been living for yourself all this time. Your whole life. And time and time again, you're reminded of how broken you are because of that. God hasn't given up on you. He's a loving father who sent his son, Jesus, to pay for your sin and to make you right with him again. And this is a gift that we need only accept you can choose to receive the gift or you can choose to leave it in God's outstretched hands. You can choose to trust in Jesus's righteousness or you can choose to trust in your own. And so if you're someone that's maybe not sure where you're at with that, um, talk to somebody, talk to me, talk to one of the other staff. Um, I think that we have a prayer team at the top of the steps with those lanyards. They would talk to you. They'd pray with you. Um, if you'd like to during worship. Um, And then if you're completely on the other side of this, I wasn't even planning on saying this. This is Baptism Sunday. This is a Sunday of great uh, rejoicing and excitement. Um, And and so if you're in a spot where like, God has done a lot in your life, maybe just think about uh, what your life would be like without Jesus. Um, Holy cow. I was thinking about that the other day. And it's like, man, like, that makes me shudder a little bit, and in a good way, uh, it, it makes me thank God for what he's done in my life. So um, we're going to have uh, the band come down. You guys can come on down. Um, we're going to sing a few more songs, and then we're going to celebrate um, the new life that people have. Um, And uh, again, if you need prayer, um, there should be people at the top of the steps that you can pray with. Um, So let's pray real quick. God, um, we thank you for who you are and how you've loved us. God, we thank you for um, changing our lives. We thank you for the church. We thank you that you've given us each other, that we can uh, come to each other when we're struggling. God, Lord, I ask that you would help us to seek you with all our might. You'd help us to seek you with everything that we have. God, and that we'd be able to come to your church as a refuge. Lord, we thank you for all these things and uh, we pray this in Jesus' name.